You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily wherever you get your podcasts. This is Aaron File, and you are listening to the Earn and Invest podcast. I remember it like it was yesterday. I had been struggling to read and by second grade, I was so far behind my classmates that I often spent reading time coloring and coloring books, trying to stay within the lines. My school system had offered two tutors and I had an educational specialist on the outside as well. Progress was slow and steady until it wasn't. Until the day my second grade teacher placed reader after reader in front of my face and I did something that no one expected. I read perfectly. Change was not necessarily slow and steady. It was sudden and catastrophic. They called it a learning disability, a hurdle that would require lifelong work and attention, but instead it felt like something in my brain was broken, and it turns out that once it was fixed, it would never be broken again. After obtaining a BA in psychology and a master's in digital media, Aaron File founded and ran an award-winning and nationally ranked web agency for 16 years, working with clients ranging from world-renowned philosophers to Fortune 500 companies. She then went on to found the MindFix Group, which is a collaboration between a small number of passionate mind experts with a simple purpose, deliver revolutionary programs that alleviate self-sabotage and help leaders feel better and achieve more. Aaron File, welcome to Earn and Invest. The name of your business is MindFix, which begs the question, are our minds generally broken when it comes to what feels like unsurpassable roadblocks? You are coming out with the, the hard hits right out of the gate. We've been around for six years now, and a common topic is, should we change our name? It was actually, uh, the premise is not that we're broken or that we need to be fixed, but it draws in people who are looking for something and don't believe that change is possible. So there was an intrigue, which is why we went with it initially. But the more we do this work, the more that we see that people's minds don't need fixing. There's just often barriers and roadblocks in the way that need to be removed so that people can connect back to their wholeness. Let's talk about that because it sounds to me like if you were to, to describe how you ended up being here today, you felt very broken at one point in your life. Uh, at several, absolutely. There were, uh, I had quite a few uh, challenges over the years. I started out being diagnosed with major depressive disorder when I was a kid. Uh, the depression continued into my 20s. I went through a series of really serious surgeries in my 30s, ended up uh, having severe uh, chronic pain for three and a half years that no doctors could figure out 
after I healed myself, I ended up, unbeknownst to me, living in uh, two homes, two in a row that had uh, severe black mold Hmm. toxicity and got very, very, very sick. So I've been through quite a few uh, different phases in my life when I thought I'm not okay and uh, I need some fixing. And it's interesting that a lot of my challenges were uh, from the body and in the, you know, biological and needed either surgery or needed um, some type of intervention. And what was really interesting though, is that when I didn't incorporate using my mind to heal and to come out of it, I was struggling over and over and over. It wasn't until I actually started learning about the this type of work and learning how to impact my thoughts and my belief systems and learning about the subconscious that I was actually able to pull myself out of those dark times each time over and over. Let's talk about those thoughts. You say on your website, I always had a deep persistent sense that I was a fraud, inadequate and unsuccessful like a really deep sense of these things. I always felt like things were never quite right, that I'd never achieved enough and that I was never really okay. Hmm. Obviously, (laughs) Mind Fix came about because what you were trying wasn't working to deal with some of these things. So talk about what you had tried in the past. What were some of the traditional modalities that didn't seem to serve you? I will in just one second. I'll just chuckle and share how... uh, Interesting it is to hear those words, to say, wait, those that was me? Yeah, oh someone gosh. else saying I, to you. Yeah, it's yeah, strange. It's As so, I was reading that, I'm like, it must feel strange if someone else I, reading this to you. Yeah, yeah it seems like a, a different lifetime. I, I remember I actually found a journal from high school maybe a, a couple months ago, and I was reading it and cringing, going, I cannot believe this was me. Like the amount of self-hatred and frustration and just criticism that I had about myself. I haven't connected to that or done that or engaged in that, experienced that, or thought to do anything like that in years. And so hearing those words right back, there was that pause of, wait, I wrote that. Oh, gosh. So thank you for for that reflection. We're due to redo our website, but uh, that was interesting to hear. Okay. Started out many years ago um, with standard like CBT. Cognitive behavioral therapy. I was put on an entire pharmacy's worth of drugs over 30 years of antidepressants and anti anxieties and everything in between. Um, I engaged in all of the standard self help uh, tools. So, journaling, stream of consciousness journaling, gratitude journaling, positive psychology trying to change my thoughts and feel grateful for what I was doing. Meditation, every flavor of meditation, different amounts of meditation, five minutes, 10 minutes, one hour, binaural beats, improving my sleep hygiene, incorporating movement and mobility so that my body could be loose. I did hypnosis, rapid transformational therapy, rapid resolution therapy. I did uh, EMDR, I did trauma work, I did somatic-based work, I did flavors of psychedelic therapy, I did, um, I did, I engaged in extensive exercise, I changed my diet, I did red light therapy, I'd get body work and 
every flavor of massage and musculoskeletal therapy. <laughs> so let me <laughs> interrupt you here because obviously you pretty much, you, you read the book of like, this isn't yeah. working. Try this. This isn't working. Try this. Yeah. In every hero story, right? There's a turning point. You have just said, like, I read those words. That's not you anymore. You're a different person today. What was the turning point? Like, obviously you're, you're, you're doing all the things a good person does, right? The good person researches and does all the traditional things that are supposed to help. They're not helping. What was the transition for you? How did you go from that person to who you are today? Yeah, there was two turning points. The first one was when I was sitting in, I was driving to Denver and Boulder. I was doing like two hours of driving a few times a week to go get acupuncture to see if that would help. And then I was working with this spiritual advisor uh, coach and she continued to tell me to I, that I needed to change my thinking, that I needed to change my thoughts. Right. And she would share that, you know, this is how to be appreciative. And, th- and every, every twice a week we'd meet and she'd share with me like how I should be thinking. And there was one day I got, I went from, sad and anxious to just live it because I said, if I, if I could change my thoughts, I would, I would, I can't, I don't believe that. I don't believe I'm good up. Like I know it up here. And I would point to my head and then I would point to my heart and go, it's not in here. I don't have it. It I don't feel it. It's not real to me. And I know what I'm supposed to think. And I don't think that. And I got so angry. And I remember leaving going, there has to, there has to be a different way. There has to be other people like me who know what they're supposed to think, supposed to, you know, in terms of this would be healthy for me to think differently and are pulling their hairs out going, why isn't this working? Why can't I shift this? I've, I've been sitting looking across the couch for somebody else for, you know, 30 years now. What, what can I do? There has to be a way to change. And so uh, I actually went back to my psychology roots. I have an undergrad, an undergraduate degree in psychology and uh, I got to this point where I was like, I, I'm going to start looking into this myself. I'm going to figure this out. I'm, I'm going to do this because nobody else seems to be able to figure my brain out. Maybe I'm different. I don't know, but I'll figure this out. And so I started to look into how people have been able to change their thoughts. And what I discovered was that thoughts are not something that you can just change over and over. Um, like, you know, with a snap, it's not as easy as all the workshop workshops and worksheets say, just write down your thinking and cross it out and replace it with something else. Like, oh my God, wish it was that easy. So what I uncovered is that at least at that stage, this is many years ago, like my first turning point really was that day. And then the second turning point was in my research, I, I discovered, oh, okay, I'm having these thoughts because of what I believe. The beliefs that I hold to be true are sprouting these thoughts over and over. So I'm out here trying to change these thoughts, almost like trying to cut off the tops of dandelions, thinking that'll make the weeds go away. I'm like, I'm getting rid of this thought. I'm getting rid of this thought. But the seed is at the belief level. There's a deeper level. And so I started to research, how can one change what they fundamentally believe to be true? Surely that's not possible. And then I ran in and I was like, well, shit, you know, people don't believe in Santa Claus after they believe in Santa Claus with all their might. And, and, uh, you know, all it takes is one occurrence for someone to be like, this person's an angel to they're a scoundrel. So we do change our mind. So there's gotta be mechanisms in here. 
And that uh, many years ago was when I was introduced to something called the Lefko method, which was created by Morty Lefko. And he had uh, uh, this, this way of eliminating beliefs. And so that was my first introduction into the world of rapid transformation. And I got to experience what it was like to, to actually shift a belief. I still remember the uh, clearing and, and dissolving the belief of I'm not good enough, which was like had a stranglehold over my whole life and was the lens through which I saw my entire life. I remember going on a bike ride the day after. And instead of being like, I'm, I'm not fast enough. These people are going to not like me. I should be better. I'm not going, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like my mind was just quiet. I was like, oh my God, when you get rid of the the belief, the thoughts and the feelings, I, I don't have to work at changing them. They're just not there. Hmm. And I was like, I'm on to something here. And so that uh, I dove into that work. And that was at the time my, my chronic pain started to shift and I started working through a handful of different beliefs. And the method is, is a bit outdated and antiquated and um, tedious compared to some of the new technologies that have come out in just the past few years. But that was the switch. That was where I started actually for the first time in my life have a felt sense of, oh my gosh, I can change this, this, this could work. You know, a few things come to mind as, as you're talking about this and answering this question. When is this idea, right? That we have beliefs that mushroom into thoughts and you were trying to cut off the thoughts, but you had to actually get to the root, the beliefs. And it was interesting. You're saying like, you've been struggling with this issue of mind fixes as a, a name or a title. And I keep on thinking mind block, like in a sense, a lot of times our minds are blocking us maybe from our potential. I find it interesting how common this is. And in fact, you also say on your website, I was fascinated to see how so many, many high achievers and high performers secretly dealt with this huge visible mental barriers, just as I had, despite being outwardly successful by nearly anyone's yardstick. This is a common problem in high achievers, which is to me almost sounds like how are they high achievers if they're struggling so deeply with this issue? <laughs> it's it's the opposite. Many are high achievers because of the struggle. So we have these strengths, things like we are relentless. We just don't give up. We are intelligent. We are direct. We go after what we want. And so we have these strengths that often get us to a certain point, but because it becomes the only, it's the only tool in our tool belt, or we use the same tools over and over, we get to the other, the double-edged sword, right? The person who doesn't give up is the person who's also not getting enough sleep and the person who can't say no. And the person who takes on five opportunities and begins to burn themselves out as they get older. So a lot of these strengths and the things that allow high achievers to be high achievers when they're amplified or they're continued over the course of year after year after year or decade, they often start to flip or turn. The dark side comes out. We start to be worn out. We start to realize that we've hurt relationships. Our our relentlessness um, has come at the costs of so many different important things in our lives. And so oftentimes when you ask somebody um, what their strength is as a high achiever, 
the opposite is an area where there's there's tremendous weakness and pain in their life. So we're talking about this idea of how we get past these huge hurdles in our life. And often we place those hurdles there and then we have trouble getting around them. <laughs> this was a big one for you. So when did you go from this is a very much self-healing thing to wait, I can bring this to others. I can do this for a living. When did that connection happen for you that this was just something more than just helping yourself? Yeah, is. I was feeling burnt out in the web consulting industry to begin with. And so as I found this and I started to have more and more and more energy for myself, uh, and I started to feel so much excitement and, and, uh, uplifted, I started, of course, doing what I would normally do. And I, I started to share it with friends. I shared it with my partner. I shared it with my friends. Hey, do you need something? Hey, can I help with this? Um, and so it just became a fun thing on the side. And then there were a handful of our existing clients that I'd become friends with over the years. And they were like, Hey, I'd like to try that out. And so then, um, what I realized is I was having so much fun and it was all I could think about. And I was so passionate about it. I was like, you know, this could be a little side business. I could go on a few vacations each year. You know, I'll just take a handful of clients on. So I took on three beta clients. I made up this program um, for a low cost. And I said, I'll work with someone for 10 sessions. And all three of the people that I worked with didn't need the full 10 sessions. And what they came in with, whether it was procrastination, anxiety, imposter syndrome, people pleasing. They were so shifted before the end of their three months that I was, I was, I remember feeling so shocked going, wow. I mean, they had been going to therapy for this for years and here I am in my beta program and they're saying this, they don't have these issues anymore, or they're at least no longer holding them back. You know, these are not problems. That's when I realized, oh, this is something that more people need. Like the world needs this. Um, how many people are stuck that are trying to do things the hard way, like me for the last 30 years? There are better ways to do this. So let's jump into the MindFix group and exactly what you do. Let's start with the intake process. What kind of people generally come to you and how do you bring them into this practice? We typically work with entrepreneurs leaders, CEOs, and executives, people who are highly motivated to experience positive change. That's that's our core core target audience. And are there specific categories of mental roadblocks? Like, are you like, okay, that's imposter syndrome. Like, is, is there a pretty defined group of things people come into you needing help with? No, there's a common group that are of problems that are easily recognizable. Anxiety, imposter syndrome, uh, fears, a cluster of fears, either fear of success, fear of failure, fear of abandonment, fear of rejection. Uh, most ultra high achievers are having relationship problems somewhere, whether it's with their spouse, with their kids, or with people at their work. And then um, there's oftentimes uh, a disconnection. So despite the external success, there's a disconnection from happiness, joy, peace, fulfillment, or a sense of safety. So uh, a lot of people thought that I thought when I would get to X, I would feel a certain way. 
and then they've gotten to X and they don't feel that way. So to answer your question more fully though, many times um, I would say people fall into one of two buckets. They, if you think of the entrepreneurial and life journey as a staircase, an uneven rickety staircase going up, there are times when we're cruising and we're flowing through life. And then there are times when we hit pockets of resistance and friction and we need help leveling up to the next level to move uh, to our next state of flow. And I would say people come to us either uh, when they're at those points of resistance and friction, and sometimes they know what's bothering them and sometimes they don't. They just don't. Something doesn't feel right. They feel stuck. They feel like they're in their own way. There's an internal tug of war and they want help getting over that so they can feel and flow again. And then the second, you know, the second bucket of people that come to work with us have heard about our work and are more excited about what is next, what is possible. Like I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well, but I want to know what amazing is. How much better can life be? They're more in that expansive state. Do people usually come to you in place of other forms of traditional therapy, like medicines and cognitive behavioral therapy, or do they come to you in addition to those things? Mm, That's a great question. Uh, It's pretty evenly split. Um, almost like a third, a third, a third. I'd say a third of people ha- are show up and go, look, I've never done, I've never worked with a coach before. I've never gone to therapy. This is all new to me. Let's do this. And then I'd say a third of people are in the, I have tried everything and nothing has worked. I've been to therapy for 50 years and I've worked with all the coaches and I've, I, I, I really need something different. And then the other third um, are people who are like, I've, I've been successful. I've worked at some things I've worked in the past and some things haven't, but I'm really excited to try something very different. So I don't have, I have some experience and some of it's worked and some of it hasn't. I want to paint a better picture for people of what exactly you do at MindFix. So I'm going to ask you first about the people and then we're going to move to the modalities. Let's start with the people. What we're really talking about is coaches. And I kind of looked at some of the bios of the people on your website And I noticed titles, things like a belief unlearning coach or a clearing coach or a mind clarity coach. Tell me what those roles mean. Because I I mean, these are not words that I see normally used, for instance, in normal psychiatric literature, et cetera. So what do those things describe? Yeah. So if I had to describe the, the work that we do and how it differs than traditional coaching, the focus of our work at MindFix is on subtraction. So whereas a coach is going to come along and tell you, hey, we need to do, you're going to increase your meditation. You're going to set your SMART goals. You are going to do your visioning work. You're going to do X and Y and Z, and you're going to do your gratitude journaling. We come along and the prime, the bulk of our work, at least at the beginning when we're working with someone, is on subtraction. So we say, okay, let's look at where you're looking to go and why you feel blocked. And then let's subtract the key reasons, the root causes. So instead of uh, us having sessions where we're teaching people or training someone or giving them content to read, we are actually looking at where is the stuck point? Where is the friction? Where is the resistance? What What is holding you back? And let's clear it. So you saw the different types of coaches uh, on our site. And we have three types of 
key sessions that we do with people. So in order to do that subtraction work, the work that removes the root causes and removes the stuckness, the friction, the frustration, our clients need to be connected to themselves. They need to have some connection to their inner experience. So the first type of work that someone will do when they they work with us is called inner experience work. We've had people, and this used to be me, show up and it's almost like they're robots. They have no sense of what they're feeling. They have no sense of their emotions. I, I had an executive show up and his his he was talking like this and is moving like this. And I asked him about his anger. He says, I'm not even angry. You don't understand. And there was, there was no awareness of his self. And so many times, um, this was me for 30 years, I would sit and intellectualize my way through therapy, not feeling a damn thing and not understanding that I wasn't feeling or unconnected to my body, my emotions, or what I was actually true for me. So Part one of working with us at MindFix is inner experience, connecting to self, awareness of self, being in the body, being in the emotions. Once someone's able to do that, and some people it's very quick and some people already have it, some people take a bit of time, that's when we then have a second type of session, which is our subtraction sessions. So in these sessions, we are clearing out and removing belief systems, stuck identities, memory capsules. Uh, and then subconscious resistance, things that uh, we've pushed down. And as we subtract these things and these root causes, the amount of relief and shifting that people feel in those key subtraction sessions is quite extraordinary. The third type of session that we have at MindFix, we call Mind Clarity. And this is especially brilliant for high achievers, intellectuals, the analytical types, because so often... Um, when someone's trying to teach us or coach us or tell us something, we push back and there's resistance. There's, even if we don't want to admit it, it's like, no, we, we fight when someone's trying to tell us what to think or do. And so these mind clarity sessions are almost like mirrors where we get to have a conversation with ourselves and go deeper and deeper and connect to and have more awareness of what we actually think, what we actually fear, what we're actually experiencing up here in our minds. So this is where we often will uncover what we call like the black boxes of the minds, the things that we've pushed away that we don't want to admit, the fears that we're not looking at. And we gently bring those to the surface where they can pop like bubbles and they're not creating that resistance and the friction. So we have those three session types. Those are the key sessions. And depending on what someone's looking to accomplish, we may add one or two other session types too. We are talking to Erin Files. She founded and ran an award-winning and nationally ranked web agency for 16 years, working with clients ranging from world-renowned philosophers to Fortune 500 companies. She then went on to found the MindFix Group. And today we are talking about how we get past those mental roadblocks. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? 
Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R. USA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. I have a confession to make. Money has been stressful to us lately. Look, we are in the midst of a house remodel. We are sending our first kid to college, and everything I thought I knew about budgeting has been out the window. The main savior for us has been Monarch Money. We started using Monarch Money about three months ago. My wife and I have been thinking a lot about our finances and our budget has changed, but we love Monarch Money because it's collaborative. We can both look at this together as well as share it with other people like a financial advisor if we want to. It's really aspirational. We can put information in there about, for instance, our kids' college education or about our remodel. And we can see where we need to go and where we are going. This is the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch Money is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now you can get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. That's monarchmoney.com slash E-A-R-N. What I love about Monarch Money is it's intuitive. It's really easy to sign on and connect all your bank accounts and credit cards. As we said, it's collaborative. It's also customizable. Like We were able to build in exactly what we wanted to do with our kids' college education as well as our home remodel. This is an app that is customer-focused. Really, Monarch Money is looking to make this app useful to you and me and all of us who are aspirational about our money. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners to the show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. We are back with Erin File. She founded the MindFix Group, which is a collaboration between a small number of passionate mind experts with a simple purpose, deliver revolutionary programs that alleviate self-sabotage and help leaders feel better and achieve more. And we are talking about getting past mental roadblocks. Erin, I mean, on your website, you say something relatively bold. And, And let me... You know, let me mention this idea that I think you talk about in your story, and I've definitely felt like when we get to these difficult parts in our road, we think it's going to take tons and tons of therapy, and it's going to take tons and tons of time and hard work and pain to get past them. And you pretty boldly say on your website, you get results in an average of 10 days with a success rate of 94.3%. How come so fast? And what does the success look like? How do you feel like you get results that quickly when we've been programmed to think that these kind of changes in our life take a long time? Mm -hmm. 
A lot of pain and suffering, frustration, stuckness, friction, and resistance comes from similar root causes. When we can help alleviate and allow for some of the suppressed frustrations to come to the surface, people typically notice relief right away. Now, it takes more than 10 days to really work through any deep, persistent problem. But in terms of being able to experience a felt sense of relief and a shift and a difference, uh, uh, there was a fellow I, I was working with just yesterday. He sent in a testimonial and he said, it felt like a car had been lifted off of my body after 40 years. And so, so much of what we're experiencing is in the form of resistance, of not wanting to feel, of not wanting to admit, of not wanting to experience things. And uh, with our subtraction methods, we have a really gentle way of being able to allow some of that resistance to come up and be released just through conversation. So that can happen so quickly, the shift, the turning of the ship. And when people go, whoa, okay, okay, I, I feel a difference now, Th that hope starts to bubble up. Then they see that it's possible to change even when things haven't worked. And honestly, oftentimes people will say, look, I've been doing this. I've been trying this for 30 years. And it's like, yeah, you can try and build a house with a toothbrush for 30 years. If you're using the wrong tool, it doesn't matter how long you've been doing it. You could work at it for another hundred years. But when you have the right tool for the problem, Changes can happen with with relative ease. In a moment, I want to get to some more of these stories, some of these testimonials, people you've worked with. But before we get there, it does make me think of a, a basic question. A lot of times when we think about therapy, we think about recurrent and lifelong. Yet you're talking about change that's very quick. How long are engagements usually with MindFix? Like how long do people work with you? Is it a long-term thing or are people come work with you for a certain set amount of time and then they go? Yeah, uh, this is a great question. We, When we started out about six or seven years ago, we would have engagements of three months because we were all about speed. And yes, we could come in and clear a problem, say procrastination in three or four months. And then we'd send people on their way. But what we found is people are often showing up with a presenting problem. And that's an opportunity for us to go much deeper. And so while there are a handful of uh, clients where they just have a very small specific problem and they're coming to us for, for rapid results, the vast majority of our clients work with us in one year or one and a half year engagements. We found that being able to add integration time, change was happening so fast. We had so many clients come back and say, I need a pause. Like this is so much change so quickly. I've been with you for six months or, or excuse me, six weeks. And it feels like six years. Literally just yesterday I had a client going, I, this is so much change. This is extraordinary. Um, and so what we've done just in the past couple of months is we've shifted our programs so that there is, uh, instead of uh, a rapid pace, we've expanded the workout to give people time to integrate, to experience the felt change, to see it and feel it in their life, go out, experience it in the world, and then come back and peel away the next layer. And we're seeing such better results, such happier clients instead of trying to work through everything with, with the speed that, that we know is possible, but it's just too much. 
Aaron, tell us some success stories, some stories of some high functioning individuals and how working with you has changed things for them. Oh, gosh, sure. We worked with a fellow who had uh, sold his company and he was in his 20s and he had what you would think any business person would want. He had more money than he'd ever be able to spend for the rest of his life. And he was in his 20s and he had his health and he'd experienced extraordinary success. But he came to us because he was miserable. He ha- he was filled with fear that the other shoe was going to drop, that something bad was going to happen. He felt like a fraud and an imposter. He felt like he didn't deserve it. So he had all this success. And every day he'd wake up with this feeling of, I don't deserve this. This, this isn't for me. I, I, I faked my way through it. So he had this not deserving, plus he had a fear that something awful was going to happen. Every time the phone would ring, he'd start to go into a panic. Uh, so we worked with him uh, through a program. And by the end, he would sh- he was showing up to his sessions and just with a massive smile. And he's like, I can actually feel the joy that everybody else thought I was going to have when this happened. I am waking up. I'm excited to be alive. I am starting a new nonprofit. I am, I am engaging in all of these different opportunities. Like he was just so filled with joy and gratitude and was able to reconnect to the, uh, what he felt like he had lost along the way. So that was a really fun, memorable uh, client that I remember working with. We worked with, uh, an executive who, was uh, had exited two companies and he was on his third and he didn't have fear, but he felt so empty and he was just kind of floating through life. He's like, everything is gray. Like I, I kind of go home and I feel blase and I bring that to work and I'm, I'm going through the motions. I thought I've worked my whole life to be here and I just feel so empty. And he too was another one. And I guess that's why I'm remembering him is because he was showing up filled with actual joy and like excitement to be alive. And then he was bringing that back to his team. And then he was taking that to his wife and he was showing that to his kids. And he was talking about the reconnection with this family and the rekindling of his marriage with his wife and how everybody at work started to notice and his work shifted and his environment shifted. And it comes back to this concept of as within, so without. So as he started to shift and reconnect to the joy within him, all of his relationships began to change. His uh, When he would go out to exercise, he'd just experience it in a different way. It was almost like his life went from like you know, in Wizard of Oz where it's black and white and then it goes to to full color. It kind of shifted like that. For him. And then uh, there's a third person we worked with last year, and he was a, a brilliant businessman. And yet, behind the scenes, he had a tremendous amount of fear and terror when it came to being on phone calls or doing anything related to public speaking. He wanted to be behind the scenes. Here he was, this extraordinary businessman. And he was trying to do some fundraising and he was talking to Fortune 100 companies and he had been invited to be up on many stages and the amount of fear that he was experiencing at these opportunities and the amount of opportunities he was turning down because he, he just, he'd freeze. It was, it was pretty extensive. Uh, and it got to a point when 
that it was so bad when he came to us, he said, I'm literally thinking I'm just going to, uh, I can just retire now. Like I'm at the point where I will either stop working because the fear is so strong, or if I can get over it, I have the whole next, you know, 10 years of my life to play with, to expand, to build a new business, to do more speaking. So um, we worked with him and his program and uh, <laughs> I don't even know he did. I don't know that he made it to his final few sessions because the problem was so shifted and so gone that, you know, even though he'd had this fear since he was a teenager, um, he was up giving talks. He was uh, on podcasts. He was being interviewed. He was up on stages. He was talking to the board. He was talking to these companies and uh, sending us little notes sharing of like, I did this, I did this, I did this. And I just remember being blown away. Um, Cause he thought it was in, he was wired. He thought it was his personality. It was who he was it, and he would never be able to change. And so to see that was really beautiful. I, I want to go back to that second story you talked about where the person you worked with kind of described the world as feeling gray, you know, the clinician in me, right. The physician in me would be like, ah, that's someone who's clinically depressed. They need an antidepressant. Talk about your relationship, whether there is one or not there with things like psychiatric meds. Like, is it something now you've come to realize, boy, maybe people should be doing less with this or boy, let's work with you here. And by the way, you should be going to follow up with your psychiatrist. How does that integrate with what you do? Yeah. Well, whenever I get onto this topic, I always pause and say and invite anybody listening to read the book, uh, Lost Connections. That book many years ago really opened my eyes to the world of antidepressants and pharmaceuticals and their explosion in the 1990s, which I was a poster child for. Oh, you're, you're depressed. Here you go. And dealt with all of the side effects and all of the problems that came along with being on the medications, including not being able to feel. So I was going around to therapy, trying to work on feelings and was numbed from the antidepressants. It created a pretty vicious loop. I, my personal belief now, having been on antidepressants, having seen other people on antidepressants, depressants, watching many of our clients go off of antidepressants after doing this type of work is that we are fortunate on this planet and to be living at this time to have antidepressants in case in the cases where they are truly needed. And my belief, having experienced it myself and seen it with so many clients, is that when inner work is done and obstacles and barriers preventing people from being feeling happiness are removed. So often uh, pharmaceuticals are not needed. Um, and I, I mentioned the book Lost Connections because I've, uh, I haven't read it for so many years now, but there's something like seven or eight or nine things that when people get disconnected from those things, whether it's hope for a better future, um, social connection, nature, things like that, that it can present as clinical depression. And when those elements can be reintroduced to somebody's life, suddenly this, whatever has been presenting as clinical depression can go away with absolutely no inner work or pharmaceuticals. So that book really opened my eyes to almost like the essential elements or nutrients of life that are required for someone to not have depression. Now, sometimes there are things blocking us. Say, I remember one of the things that we need to be connected to, for example, is hope for a better future. Now, someone has beliefs in their way that, you know, they're worthless or they'll never make it, or they have an identity of a failure. 
that's going to block them from being able to connect to hope for a better future. So being able to remove those barriers and doing some of that inner work will allow for that reconnection. I do truly believe that proper inner work, connecting to those essential elements of life and being able to remove many of the barriers would render pharmaceuticals unnecessary for many of the people out there who are taking them. So tell me, what type of people is MindFix not a good fit for? Are there people you say, look, we can't help you here. This is not the kind of thing you need us for. Hmm. We tend not to be um, a great fit for people who are deep into um, identities of being victims where everything happens to them. So the problem is my wife. The problem is my spouse. The problem is my boss. The problem is something external. When people don't have the fundamental belief or own their life already, they tend not to want to do inner work because why would they work on themselves? Because everything else and everyone else is the problem. So those types of people tend not to come to us. And if they are referred to us, they tend not to experience the benefits because everybody else is the problem. What we have found too is when someone is not excited about or changed, like when uh, we've had clients where they experienced incredible success and then they're like, here, have my spouse do this. And it's kind of like you can lead a horse to water. Someone doesn't really want it, tends not to work so well. And then also the highly, highly, highly skeptical people and the people who believe they're always right. And there's not intellectual humility or they're like, look, I've done everything. I know all this. I've already done it. There tends to be so much resistance to being open to the possibility that something could shift that their results tend to go slower or um, they don't do as well. Claire, and I wanted to thank you for coming on the show today. You know, I thought a lot about my introduction. And as we've had our conversation, I kept on coming back to why did I bring up this episode in my life? This having trouble reading, feeling like I was broken, broken, and then feeling fixed all of a sudden out of nowhere. And maybe as you said at the beginning, it wasn't necessarily about being broken, but there was one word I used in my intro, which keeps on coming back to me, which is catastrophic. So I looked up catastrophic and it's the sudden or natural or man-made situations which change and destruction occur. And I think that's what we're talking about here is catastrophic change. And a lot of times we think that has to be scary or hard or that it has to take a long time. And it sounds like what you do at MindFix is you help people get to the root cause of what their problem is and you bring about catastrophic change Suddenly, we think of catastrophic as a negative thing, but what we're really talking about is your word, subtraction or destruction and change and rebuilding. And that's what it appears you do. And I think when we're talking about those big roadblocks that we all face, maybe it's the only way to conquer them. I want to end this episode the way and every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and where people can find you. So you mentioned that MindFix may not be called MindFix forever. If you're going to change the name, what's going to happen to it? And what is, what's going on with your business? <laughs> um, that's a, a to be, that's a big TBD. I actually just uh, finished up, you know, how I mentioned earlier that I had gone through a pretty um, challenging period where I was living in black mold. And this last year, 
a lot of the focus for me personally was on healing from some of the uh, repercussions and um, side effects that that my body was impacted, you know, from that. And so in terms of what's next, I'm stepping back into life, getting to feel healthy again, healthy and and vibrant and vital. And so I get to sit down and re-examine what is next for MindFix. I don't have that answer yet. Uh, and that's something that in the next couple months, we get to revision and recreate. And I'm, I'm, I'm entering it with curiosity. And for anyone who's listening, it's like, this is for me. This is what I need. What's the best way to interact with you and MindFix? If anybody wants to reach out, uh, honestly, an email is the best way. As antiquated as that might be, but Aaron, E-R-I-N at mindfixgroup.com will go straight to me and I'd be happy to engage in a conversation uh, through email and then we can hop on a, a phone or a Zoom call. Aaron File from the MindFix Group, thank you so much for being on Earn and Invest today. Thank you for having me. That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. I'd like to contrast the last two episodes, that of Brian Johnson with his book Arate, and now today with Aaron File and MindFix. And I want to use these lenses to look at this idea of happiness. Now, I've said this before, maybe you've heard it. I believe that happiness is really made up of meaning and purpose. Meaning is all about the past. It's how we cognitively think about our past, and it's the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. Happy people tend to tell themselves heroic stories, whereas unhappy people tend to tell themselves victim stories. It's impossible to feel good about the present and future if you have a past in which you feel like you are a victim. But that's only half the equation. The other half is purpose. It's all about action and present and future. It's about how we fill our time today. People who tend to be happy fill their time with things that are deeply meaningful and important to them. And so that's the happiness equation, meaning and purpose. So let's talk about Brian and Aaron then. I'm going to start with Aaron first. If you look at what we talked about with MindFix, there's this idea that we have these beliefs, and from those beliefs crop up thoughts, and those thoughts really affect our current happiness. Those beliefs are more deeply ingrained this is cognitive. This is the story we tell ourselves about our past. Aaron is talking about working on your sense of meaning, understanding your past, maybe some narrative therapy, this idea of rewriting the stories of our past to make them better, to make us less of a victim of the bad things that happened and more a good person going through difficult situations. So Aaron's message is really about working on the meaning side of the equation of happiness. Now let's talk about Brian. Brian is all about today and tomorrow. He's all about the habits. He's all about deciding what's important to you and working every single day to get where you want to go. Habits 
and current modern day and future thinking is all about purpose. So again, we're talking about the other side of the equation here. We're not talking about figuring out our beliefs and working on those thoughts. We're talking about doing the day-to-day work that makes up achieving what we want to achieve. I love having these two episodes together because I think they're both incredibly important. I think you have to have both the meaning and purpose down. I think you have to work on your beliefs from your past as well as your habits in the today and in the future. And I think if you don't have either of those components working right, happiness is very difficult to find. But I also feel like you have to use them together. And this is something that I've thought a lot about as I've been writing The Purpose Code, my book that's coming out in January 2025, is how do we find that sense of happiness, that sense of we're doing what we're supposed to be doing, that sense of intentionality? And to me, it's all about the marriage of meaning and purpose, getting comfortable with your past, telling yourselves better and new stories about all the traumas that happened to you as well as building those habits today. I would call it the climb. That's pretty much purpose actionalized. It's this idea that we can set up these climbs in our life in which we deeply enjoy doing the things that we're doing, very purposeful, intentional things. And doing these things leads to happiness. So, you know, I haven't done what Brian did. I haven't read the 500, 600, 700 top philosophical books of the last few centuries. And I certainly don't do what Aaron does, which is I don't work with people day in and day out every day working on their beliefs and changing those thoughts. But as a podcaster, a hospice doctor, an author, it certainly seems to me that using both their techniques together is probably the way forward. And that's certainly what I'm going to do in my life. I'm going to keep working on my interpretation of my past, as well as keep on building the habits and the life I want to live today. And I hope all of you do that too. All right, I leave things running just for a few minutes to catch any of our after show just before you have to get off the phone call. Anyway, we have a few minutes. Anything I didn't mention about MindFix that you think is important that we didn't talk about or you'd want people to know? Hmm. The only thing that I was thinking about is the metaphor that I find to be most useful for people is one of... um, like a painful splinter in one's arm. So if something has been hurting and something has been hurting and it's been in there and it's been there every days and weeks and months and people are like, it's, it won't go away. And I've been putting the bandages on it and they gave me this ointment and it's just been there forever. So it's going to be there. And it's like, but when you come in and you have someone who knows what they're doing and they say, I see what's causing this pain. And then they pull it out. It takes no more than like a day and you already forget that you had it and you're on to the, well, I have this split toenail down here, you know, and it's like people just forget that they had it and it, it goes away. But that concept of subtraction and the concept of pulling out something, even if it's 
just because something that's been there for a long time is not an indicator that it's going to be particularly difficult or challenging to uh, to clear or remove. What I really like about what you're describing here is I think one of the problems I've always had with with some of the way we deal with, I don't want to say mental illness, but certainly with the parts of our lives that we're not happy with is I feel like we're not concrete enough, which is exactly what you seem to be describing. It's like we don't attack a concrete goal of this is the problem and this is how we're going to solve it. We get into a much more prolonged discussion of of slow and sometimes painful change (laughs) and what i like what you're describing is like well here's the problem in in the case of the metaphor you just used here's the splinter let's remove that and then see what happens Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. absolutely like being able to ask someone like what is the actual problem is a fascinating way to start the the conversation Um, And then as you remove the layers and you're removing the layers of the onion and things don't seem like a problem anymore, it's really interesting to see, oh, oh, actually, no, this is the problem. You clear that away. Oh, God, no, it's this. And you start to be able to get to the pieces down here that we just don't even have awareness of. We're running around trying to solve procrastination when at the end of the day, we have a really deep fear that we're going to recreate the business failure that we had three years ago. That's the issue. And so being able to strip away a lot of the layers, subtract, 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 and get down to the splinters, you know, is it, it's so different than being in a conversation and just meandering around and, and having a, trying to have an intellectual understanding and solve things as if everything is a business problem and you just need to hire someone new, you know, that it's all strategic or tactical. So much of it is like buried. It's just about about unearthing and bringing some of these pushed down things to the surface so they can be felt and released. Aaron, it has been a pleasure chatting with you today. Thank you so much. Tech moves fast. So keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts.